This morning is Father's Day and uh, a great psalm that we can look at this Father's Day is Psalm 128. If you please open your Bibles and and turn there. Uh, For the past month and a half, we've been looking at the Songs of Ascents, Psalms 120 through 134, and these are the songs that the pilgrims going up to Jerusalem to worship three times a year according to the command of God would sing along the way. These are like their folk songs, if you will. But they're more than just folk songs. They really helped to prepare the hearts of the worshipers for what it is that they would encounter once they got to Jerusalem. And my hope in preaching through these psalms is that they would help us in our worship as well. Is that we likewise would think about themes that, that prepare our hearts really to worship the Lord and to serve Him. Well, we've seen six of these psalms so far. 120, 121, 122, 124. And 127, um, we have nine more to go. And this morning we come to Psalm 128. It's been a blessing to me, and I know from some of the feedback I've received from some of you, that has been a, a blessing to you as well, and I just trust the Lord will continue that blessing. We aren't taking them in order. We're taking them as uh, different occasions arise. And with Father's Day, Psalm 128 is a, is a great psalm. For that, today is a day which we set apart by Hallmark, I mean our nation, to celebrate um, fathers and their role in, in our lives. It's good for this morning for us to honor our fathers, good for us to do something with our fathers, whether you can only give them a phone call because they're far away, or whether you can have dinner with them, uh, whether you can send them a card or a present, whatever you can do, all profitable and God-pleasing too. Exodus 20 says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. That is the first command with a promise. Paul says, Honor your father and mother that it may be well with you. It's a good thing for you to do that for your father. Well, my message this morning is really addressed to you dads, to your fathers here in this room. And I know I see many of you and I trust this would be helpful to all of you. And Psalm 128, we'll, we'll see, is very appropriate to fathers. And yet it is, it is very general. It will be helpful to um, everyone else as well. I, I preached Psalm 127 directed to mothers. And there was a man who came up to me shortly afterwards and said, Wow, thank you for that sermon. That was good for me. And so I trust that as I preach to you, fathers... Maybe some ladies will come up and say, wow, that was, that was really good and helpful to me as well. Because it is that broad. It starts in verse 1, how blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. And that applies to everyone. That's moms, dads, children, grandparents, whomever. But we're going to see as you work through the psalm, it's especially focused on fathers. It speaks of, of work in verse 2. Fathers tend to be the workers. It speaks about wives. In verse 3, speaks about children in verse 3. And when you put these things together, right, someone with wives and children, that's talking about fathers in particular. Now, Psalm 128 really gives a picture of, of a blessed life. The psalm begins that way. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. And then it speaks in verse 2 that when you eat the fruit of your hands, you will be happy. Or as the ESV translates this very well, you will be blessed. Same word in verse 1, same word in verse 2. Asherah, you, you will be blessed. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord? 
And you'll have this way that after you work, you will be blessed as well. There's a connotation here about the fact that even maybe you're going to be envied. You're going to be looked upon at other people, by other people, and they will envy you. That's what it means to be blessed here in verses 1 and 2. And then a, a different Hebrew word comes in uh, verse 4 and verse 5, but yet still the same idea. Translated the same in our English text. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. So you put these two ideas together of blessing and fathers and you come up with the title of my message this morning, Blessed Fathers. We're going to look at a couple characteristics of blessed fathers. We're going to see the, the blessings that they have because this psalm really does give a picture of the blessed father. He enjoys the fruit of his work. He enjoys the companionship of his wife. He enjoys the presence of his children. He enjoys, verse 5, the fellowship of the community. He enjoys the sight of his grandchildren. In verse 6, now, in this way, Psalm 128 is much like Psalm 127. They both speak about the family. They talk about home. They talk about work. They talk about children. They talk about blessing. Psalm 127, verse 2, speaks about work. Rising early and retiring late. Eating the bread of painful labors. Speaks about children in verses 3 and 4. Children are a gift of the Lord. Speaks about blessing, like in verse 5, how blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And, and, and so Psalm 127 is a family psalm, like Psalm 128. It's also a proverbial psalm, if you will. It's like the Proverbs. In fact, if either Psalm 127 or Psalm 128 was placed in the book of Proverbs, it would be very difficult for us to argue, no, 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 this should be a psalm. This should be in the Psalms. Because they read like Proverbs. But they are psalms. But both these psalms speak about wisdom for the family. They speak about wisdom of godly parents. Such as the Proverbs are, are full of wisdom. And I, I feel a need to point this out even right here as we look about this. As proverbial as they are in Psalm 128, they aren't a guarantee of every godly father. They speak like the Proverbs. As the Proverbs aren't guarantee absolute truths in every circumstance. Rather, the norm... The norm for godly fathers is the regular experience of those who fear the Lord. And they give general truths which are, are true in most circumstances, but there's always the exception of, that justifies the rule. In general, as the Proverbs speak about how the godly will be blessed. It says in Proverbs 10 that children make the heart of a father glad, that the righteous people will know no hunger, that the righteous people will walk securely and the righteous will have their desire granted. And their life will be lengthened. They will speak wisdom. And they'll be rescued from death and trouble. They'll be a blessing to their community. That's what the Proverbs speak. But that's not true in every case. Godly men can have children that are heartache. Case in point, David. Absalom was a heartache to him. Godly men will not have their every desire granted. Case in point, the Apostle Paul, who had the thorn in the flesh, and prayed and longed that that thorn would be removed. Godly men will not always be rescued from death and trouble. Case in point, Jesus Christ. But in general, the Proverbs work that the general truths, this is a general way of, of how life works. And so, here in Psalm 128, these aren't guaranteed of, of promises, because there are great promises here, but they are the general way of how God works. And I would just say this also, that every God-fearing father will long for the blessings of Psalm 128. He will long to enjoy the fruit of his work. He will long to enjoy the relationship with his wife. 
He will long to see His children develop. He will long to enjoy a a healthy community and to see His grandchildren. It's what a, a godly father will long for. And how many of you fathers would like nothing more than to see these things of Psalm 128 true in your life? I trust you would. Well, let's read my introduction. Let's go to the psalm itself. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in His ways. When you shall eat the fruit of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy. And it will be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like olive plants around your table. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. And may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Indeed, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. My, my first point is simply this. Blessed fathers fear the Lord. Verses 1-4. through four. Blessed fathers fear the Lord. I trust you see it there in verse 1. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. It's repeated again in verse 4. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Now, inside of two of these statements are blessing, uh, are actual blessings of the one who fears the Lord. What we, he will, he will see. This is the theme of the psalm. The man who fears the Lord will be blessed. I want that to sink deep into your hearts, fathers. The man who fears the Lord will be blessed. In fact, let's everyone say it together, right? The man who fears the Lord will be blessed. Say it one more time. The man who fears the Lord will be blessed. Now, I want you to note this isn't a command. The psalmist here isn't telling us to fear the Lord. Rather, it's simply making an observation that those men who fear the Lord are blessed men. And by extension, the father who fears the Lord is a blessed father. In this way, it's like the Beatitudes, like the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Those aren't commands, they're observations. He's saying that those who are, who are poor in spirit are going to be blessed. How are they going to be blessed? By inheriting the kingdom of God. Those who are gentle are the type who are going to be blessed because they shall inherit the earth. And, and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be blessed because they will be satisfied. Now, as much as those are not commands, you can kind of subtly hear the command in them. It does have an imperatible force. To say this, seek poverty of spirit and you'll be blessed. Seek meekness and gentleness and you'll know blessing. Hunger and thirst for righteousness and blessing will come. Likewise with Psalm 128, we aren't commanded to fear the Lord, but you can feel the imperative that says, fear the Lord. That's why I said, blessed fathers, fear the Lord. That can either be a command Fear the Lord, men, or it can be an observation. Blessed fathers are those who fear the Lord. It's tried to be ambiguous in that way, just like the, the psalm is. And I say this, if you fear the Lord, blessings will come in your life. That is true. Throughout the Bible, we have lots of commands. If you fear the Lord, they come from various sources. Moses told Israel in our text that Phil read for us today, You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall worship Him and swear by His name. David Wright wrote, For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Solomon wrote, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And it wasn't just Old Testament. It was New Testament as well. Jesus said, Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. 
Paul said it this way, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And Peter said, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the King. And Psalm 128 says it this way, blessed fathers are those who fear the Lord. So you ask, okay, what does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, there have been many sermon series written on and preached about fearing the Lord. I've listened through some, particularly one, and just on and on and on about how big this is because fearing the Lord, the concept appears in the Bible, the word fear, some, I forget, maybe 450 times. Some of those are saying fear not because you're trusting the Lord, but a good portion of them say fear the Lord. And, and, and you can go on for a long time about understanding what it means to fear the Lord, but we have a short glimpse right here of what the psalmist is talking about in this psalm. Hebrew parallelism, right? You look at the first phrase, the second phrase clarifies it or talks about it. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. When you fear the Lord, and this is true, you will walk in His ways. You will believe what He says. You will act on His Word. You will do as He dictates. You will go as He directs. You will obey His voice. You will follow His commands. You will live in submission to Him. God will be the most important being in your life. The one who fears the Lord is the one who's come to believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. The one who fears the Lord is the one who knows that in Christ, sins have been forgiven and that by faith alone, you are reconciled to God. The one who fears the Lord knows and realizes that Christ has paid our redemption. And that we'll stand before the Lord someday complete. And, and our, our heart's desire is, is not to take that in a flippant way. Our heart's desire then is to serve the Lord with all of our heart and to walk in His ways. And why do we do this? Because we fear the Lord. Knowing that He's the ultimate authority. He's the judge. He's to be feared above all gods. But, but know that this God also has blessings to us. As Ryan read today, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 1.3 That God, though He's a, a great and awesome God, and though He's the one to whom we will give an account, He's also the one who has blessed us greatly. And in fact, some of these blessings come in verses 2 and 3. We see, we see three of them. First of all, your work. Verse 2, when you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be blessed, you will be happy, and it will be well with you. One of the blessings of fearing the Lord is joy in the fruit of your work. You'll be able to really enjoy the product of your hands. Now, ever since the fall, our work has been cursed. God has made it difficult. God said to Adam, Genesis 3, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying... You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it will grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now, it's not that work is bad. It's not that work is sinful. When God placed Adam in the garden, he placed him there with the purpose of cultivating and keeping the garden before the fall. So there's work before the fall. The only deal is that after the fall, the work has been made much more difficult. Whereas Adam didn't have to work too hard for his food before the fall. After the fall, we have to work very hard for our food. 
Whereas Adam didn't have to deal with thorns and thistles before the fall, we do. Whereas Adam and Eve didn't have to sweat for his food before the fall, we do now after the fall. Listen, but for those who fear the Lord, your work can be redeemed. And men, I know that you work long and hard. And, and, and that's a, it's a good thing. But if you fear the Lord, you can truly rest in your work. You can enjoy your labors. Proverbs 15:16 says this, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. So says, in other words, if you fear the Lord, even if you labor hard and only get a little, there's great contentment in that. In fact, it's better than, than having this great treasure you work real hard for without the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is what gives us satisfaction and delight and joy in our labor. And you can be wildly successful in your occupation. Or you can be just beginning by. But if you fear the Lord, you'll be blessed. You can sleep well at night. And fathers, I just encourage you as you're out working, work hard and work for the Lord. But when you come home, when you're done with your labor... Find satisfaction in, in the fruit of what your labor is. And, and know that all these hours you work can lead to frustration or they can lead to happiness. They can be spent in vain or they can be a great blessing to you. Understand God's role in your work. Look back at Psalm 127, verse 2. It's vain for you to rise up early to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for He gives to His beloved Sleep, or he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. In other words, what that says is you can work really early, you can work really, really late, but God is the one who gives you the rest. And God is the one who lets you enjoy your work. And when you realize that God is the one who prospers our work or frustrates our work, you realize the importance of fearing Him in all we do so as to enjoy the fruit of our work. The promise of verse 2 here again in Psalm 128 is upon those who fear Him. So work hard, men. Work hard. But in in your working hard, I say, fear the Lord. And when you're done working, enjoy what He's given. The heart of the Apostle Paul says the exact same thing. He wrote to slaves. His word can be applied to breadwinners today. He said this, Colossians 3.22. Slaves, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. So he's saying that listen, when you work, don't just do the externals, but have an inward motiva- uh, motivation for your work. Let it be the fear of the Lord. Don't just merely punch a time clock or don't just look work when your boss is looking. or Don't, don't just even look to satisfy your boss. Go deeper than that. Go further. Fear the Lord and work for Him. We should work with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. And Paul continues, whatever you do, do your work heartily. Ask for the Lord rather than for men. And this is what it means to, to fear the Lord. Knowing that from the Lord you receive the reward of your inheritance. It's the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong, that is slack in his work, receive the consequence of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. So the promise is to you men, work hard and enjoy the fruit of your labors. That's the first blessing the psalmist gives in verses 2 and 3. Here's another blessing in verse 3. Not only your work, but also your wife. Look there at the first half of verse 3. Your wife should be like a fruitful vine within your house. The psalmist here gives us a picture of a a fruitful vine, a a plant, firmly rooted into the ground, that's 
that's just growing and growing and growing and overflowing with produce. In our home, we have a, a, a modest vegetable garden. It's in a raised bed. have a few tomato plants. But above there, we have these intricate strings and webs of, of different things. And these tomato plants are just going to grow and grow and grow and grow up there and start producing tomatoes, an abundance of tomatoes. And we can take those off, off of the vine and eat them. There's nothing better than a deep, red, rich, fresh tomato to take and slice and put on your sandwich that night. Is there? I, well, there are probably other better things than that, but I'm just saying that's a, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty good thing, a benefit of, of our summer. And that's the picture that it says of your wife. Her branches reach out, produce much fruit, and here it is, man, you get to enjoy the fruit. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Now, the fruitfulness of a wife, I think this goes way beyond just childbearing. But I, I, I think Proverbs 31 gives a good picture of the sort of fruitfulness that the psalmist here is getting at. She's not an idle busybody, Proverbs 31:27 says. Whether she works hard and provides for her house. And just, just picture the, the vines going up and producing all this fruit. Fruit. Proverbs 31, she works with her hands to provide for those in her house. She brings in food from afar. She earns extra money to buy a field so as to have a garden, so as to continue the, the produce of the home. She has enough left over to give to the poor. Her household is covered with coats and protection from the winter. She sells garments as a side business. And she smiles the future knowing that her family is on a good path and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. And for you men who have wives like that, you can rejoice. Just busy, industrious, home-centered, helping the kids in everything. I'm so thankful to have a wife like that. Yvonne serves our family far more than we deserve. She's always working hard to make our home comfortable and attractive. Just even in, in recent days, she's been outside doing some landscaping projects. Um, she came in one night just pooped and exhausted from digging up some of the sod and working. Her hands were dirty. She's sweating. Sunburned a little bit. And I enjoy that because she's working hard to provide for us. And wives know your husbands can enjoy that as well because it's, it's a delight to see wives who are working hard. And I'm just blessed to have a wife like she is. I get to enjoy the fruit of her labor. My heart resonates the last few verses of Proverbs 31. Her children will rise up and bless her. Her husband also praise her saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Husbands long for a wife like that, that you can say that. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Look, do you see the tie-in? The woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Same kind of deal that we see here in Psalm 128. The blessed father is the one who fears the Lord. The blessed wife is the one who fears the Lord. And, and when you have husband and wife both fearing the Lord, there, there is great profit and great implication for children. Proverbs 14.26 says, In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence and His children will have refuge. When you fear the Lord, your wife fears the Lord, your children will be in a place of, of refuge and strength. It's a big way that a, a God-fearing wife bears fruit in the lives of her children. Look at the third blessing in verse twenty in Psalm 128, the second half of verse 3. Your children are like olive plants around your table. 
Not only in your work will you be blessed, not only your wife will you be blessed, you'll be blessed also in your children. See that verse, second half of verse 3? Again, the pictures from agriculture. Olive plants, olive trees. Now, you ever seen an olive tree before? Some of you. I know that we don't have olive trees growing here in Illinois. They'll just die away because of the winter. So I brought you a picture of an olive tree. In fact, Rich, you want to put that up there? I hope you can see that over the, the things. There's some olive trees. These are special olive trees, in fact. These olive trees are taken, pictures taken from the Garden of Gethsemane. It's kind of special. They weren't my picture, but I, I remember probably seeing these very trees. You just got to search for Google in your net. Olive tree, Garden of Gethsemane. You'll see these trees over and over and over and over and over again. In fact, olive trees are are big, gnarly trees. You can see just all the all the different gnarls that they have. They're hardy, disease, drought, and fire resistant. Olive trees can live for many, many, many years. Some even postulate thousands of years. And um, these trees may have heard the prayers of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's it's um, reasonable that trees live that long, olive trees. Their roots are so robust that even if the outer portion of the tree burns down or is cut off, the roots can grow the tree again, totally regenerate itself. That's the picture. Picture a man and woman who fear the Lord. Picture their house where the Lord is honored. The Lord is prioritized over all things. And picture their table. And then picture a bunch of these around their table. Strong, hearty children. Who will live long. Who will be strong. Who will be a picture of strength. How do children become such robust trees? Well, I think they're taught in the ways of God. It didn't just happen. One who fears the Lord is going to pass that on to your children. In fact, listen again to Deuteronomy 6. This is the commandment, the statutes and the judgment which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you that you might do them in the land where you're going over to possess it. So that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God. And here it is. What does it mean to fear the Lord your God? To keep all His statutes and His commandments that I command you all the days of your life. And that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Israel was told to to take these things and to teach them to your children. He goes on in Deuteronomy 6.4. Very familiar words. The Shema. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons. And talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on all your gates." These words are speaking about how a father and mother both fear the Lord. And in fearing the Lord, it translates into a total love for God, loving God with all your heart, soul, and strength. As a result, when you fear the Lord and you love the Lord, you're going to teach your children about the Lord, the ways of God, talking of the Lord. When you rise, when you sit down, right, day and night, rising and retiring, in season and out of season, it's just constantly going to be on your lips about the ways of God. 
And that's what you might produce. Olive trees. And I just say this, fathers, parents, never underestimate what such a practice will mean for your home. So you constantly just talk to your children, teach them of the ways of God. Some time ago, at Rock Valley Bible Church, I wrote a, an article. It was produced then into a pamphlet. And this is the last one out there, so Tina, we can make some more. Okay, we can do that. So it says, is family worship practiced in your home? And, and in this article, I... This little little brochure, you can get online, I can email it, you can read it. Uh, I told a story about being in a bookstore, seeing a book that intrigued me. It was this very book. The, the book was sitting on the shelf, I saw it and it said, Thoughts on Family Worship by J.W. Alexander. I'd never heard of J.W. Alexander before, never heard of family worship before. Kind of get an insight of what family worship is, but never heard about it. But being someone who was... Newly married, gee, um, I, I can even tell you, it was, it was almost exactly 19 years ago. 19 years ago, last Sunday in June. That's the impact that this book made. But I can tell you where, I can take you to the place on the planet where this book was, where I pulled it off, off the shelf and, and purchased it. And um, I started reading it and started practicing family worship in our home. Something's gone for 19 years, and as well as I am alive and well, we will continue the practice in our home. So what is family worship? Well, it's just simply gathering together to worship the Lord, whatever that means. Singing to God, reading the Bible, praying. It doesn't have to be long. It could be five minutes. But the more you do it, the longer it tends to be because you enjoy it so much. Fifteen minutes, half an hour. The exact form changes and varies. When it was just Yvonne and I, I was just reading the Bible, praying together. When we had small kids, a lot of singing. If our children become older, it's meant more and more Bible reading. And I think this is the kind of thing that produces olive trees. It takes some work. It's not always easy to gather children from all ends of wherever they are to sit down all at the same time. Okay? It is a, is a difficult work to do. But such a gathering has been important to our family. And, and, and I think even in verse 3, you see the, the unity of the family. Your children like olive plants around your table. Perhaps this is talking about dinner time. In which the, the kids are all around the table. And, and mom and dad are there. And, and the kids are there. And you're just a unified family. Talking through the day. Enjoying the, the final meal. Maybe it, it's talking about that. But if anyway, there, there is unity that is important it's a family we've sought together to do this every day for 19 years. We've not done it every day. Of course, there are times when it's really impossible. I have a late night meeting or Yvonne is out with um, some music practice for the church some late night or we visit some family and we don't get home until after bedtime or there's some activity. So we can't, our, our lives are busy enough, we can't do it every night. But it defaults if we're not doing anything tonight, we're going to have family worship. Right, guys? Just, just how it is. There are seasons where it's difficult when uh, our kids are involved in theater production week, when they're doing things, they're out, they're out every night. Until it just, you know, so we just, we just bag that week. That's okay. But as soon as we have opportunity, we get, we get back and go at it again. It's been a staple in our lives for 20 years. It's a way that I've been able to say to my children, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
By God's grace, I've known the blessing of children around the table who are serving the Lord. And if I were to pass on any practice that will help produce olive trees around your table, it's this very practice of, of worshiping the Lord in your home. Fathers with your wives. Men, are you praying with your wives? You know, as I ask that question, national statistics puts it something like 95% of married couples do not pray together. Married professing Christians. In our church here, my guess would be half of you are not praying with your wives. If you want to produce, know the fruit of life. If you want to produce fruit in your family, I encourage you, husbands, be worshiping the Lord, praying with your wife, praying with your family. Do you do that? would encourage you to do that. That's the way that... It's a path that I would commend of seeing this blessing. Just come and sing together. If you Skip the singing. That's okay. Read the Bible together. Read just a few verses together. Read some Christian book. Pray together. And I'll say that, that that's a practice that just helps this everyday, constant talking about the Lord. Help you to be on that path of blessing and, and I'll say this, it's really not such a difficult thing to do, but it does take some leadership, men. It does take some persistence. It does take some kindness. Because you can, as I know some men have done, and said, oh, we're going to do this, right? Come on, get here. And the kids are like, oh, I don't want to do it. You, know, you can do that in a better way, a more gracious way. Come on, let's, let's go. Let's, uh, let's sit down. Oftentimes, in order for me to do it, I've got to give warnings. Okay, what time is family worship tonight? 8.15, is that okay? SR, is that okay? 8.15, Chris, is that okay? Steffi, we've got to plan it ahead. Like, okay, you got all this stuff you're doing. When is, it, when is it going to be? And try to find a time. And so men, just take the gauntlet of leadership. Fearing the Lord means you're going to do that in your home. And tell your children about the ways of God, how you fear the Lord and impart it to your children. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret that. So I, I encourage you, that's the way to produce olive trees. Tell them of Jesus and His love for them. J.W. Alexander says, I just quote one, one quote here. He says, O Christian parents, suffer the word of exhortation. Be persuaded not to deny yourself a service which will heighten all your comforts. He says, family worship is going to heighten all of your comforts. Here's what he says. He says, them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Your habitation will be more safe and its inmates more prosperous by reason of God's answer to the petitions which you put up together. By faithful observance of family worship, you will be employing a daily means toward the eternal salvation of your household. I scarcely, it is scarcely possible to think of this without some impression. The everlasting damnation of your own offspring is a catastrophe so awful that no single instrument which promises to avert it should be omitted. No prayers indeed consider so much work wrought will effectively save these souls. But we know no means which tend more to direct to this end than domestic worship and the duties to which it leads. Are you willing to hazard so great a neglect? So church family, don't neglect something like this. Now, it doesn't have to take the form. It doesn't catch the spirit of what I'm saying. It, it, it means 
pressing God into the life of your family in a natural, constant way to direct your children to the Lord. That you might enjoy the blessings of your children around your table. I think that's the idea here. Psalm 128. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Look at verse 4. It's a summary. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. For thus how? Well, in your work, in your wife, and in your children. That's how you're going to be blessed if you fear the Lord. Because when you fear the Lord, you're going to walk in His ways. What's walking in His ways? Teaching your sons, telling them. And so I say, men, do you fear the Lord? Do you really fear the Lord? Or you live for your own pleasures? You live for your own thing? Just whatever you think is best you do? Listen, when you fear the Lord, your Bible reading will be constant. Is Bible reading constant in your life? Is prayer a constant habit with you? Do you seek the wisdom of the Lord? Do you, do you trust Him with everything? Is, is God your highest joy? Listen, if you neglect these kind of things, if you're not fearing the Lord, I just say this, all these blessings the psalm is talking about, you have no right to expect Because the one who fears the Lord will be these things. I think the corollary is true. The one who doesn't love the Lord, his work will be cursed. He'll have conflict with his wife. His children will go astray. So fear the Lord, men. Fear the Lord. All right. Second observation about blessed fathers. Blessed fathers seek his blessing. I get this from verses 5 and 6. The Lord bless you from Zion and may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Indeed, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Now these verses here come in the form of a prayer. It's a prayer for those who who fear the Lord. It's a prayer really for blessing. You can see right there in verse 5. The Lord bless you from Zion. It's almost as if the psalmist gets out and speaking to them and says, The Lord bless you. I think that's the heart of a blessed father is that he'll readily accept such a blessing. In fact, I believe that he will seek such a blessing. That's my point, right? Seek his blessing. In fact, isn't that why these worshipers were headed up to Jerusalem in the first place? Right? This is a, a pilgrim song. They were, they were singing this as they went up to Jerusalem. Zion was their destination. And it's from Jerusalem that the blessing comes. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May, may that place to which you're going, may that be a source of blessing for you where God is determined to have His name dwell. May, may God bless you from Zion. And the singing father on his walk up the hill is seeking to worship the Lord there and he's seeking this blessing from the Lord as well. And, and just, I, I want to make just an observation then about a, our worship on Sunday mornings. You know, we can be... A, a God-centered church, which we are, and glory be to that, that says, you know what, Rock Valley Bible Church, it's not about us. It's not about our show. It's not about our wisdom. It's not our talent. It's not our giftedness. It's all about God. And so let's, let's come to, to give to God in our worship in all ways. And, and I just say it is, it is good because we want all glory to go to the Lord, right? Psalm 115, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to Thy name give glory. And that's where we want to be. But, but don't miss the fact that Sunday morning or any other worship of the Lord in your, home, in your home, it's not just a one-way street. It's not that God says, okay, worship me and drain yourself dry in doing so. 
because God wants everything we have. We worship, we give Him everything, and then we got nothing, and then we're nothing. It doesn't work that way. It's not a one-way street. No, in coming and worshiping, there's a blessing that we receive as well. The Lord bless you from Zion. In other words, I just put it like this. So we come and gather here at Rock Valley Bible Church. We, we know that God blesses His people and we want to be among those who receive His blessing. And, and it's good for us to be here. Right? It, it's good to be reminded of who God is, reminded of the way God works, reminded of our sin, reminded of Jesus, the atonement, the redemption that's there. We're reminded and guided how God desires us to live in a blessed way. So it's good. We receive blessings when we worship Him as well. When we are reminded, He comes back and blesses us. And the Lord, let us seek the blessing of the Lord. When the psalmist says, the Lord bless you from Zion. We say, yes, Lord, bless us. Or as one psalm says, Psalm 67, God be gracious to us and bless us and cause your face to shine upon us. There is a way which we should seek our, our blessing. We'll get here in a few weeks. Psalm 123. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until He's gracious to us. And here's the plea. Be gracious to us. Oh Lord, be gracious to us. Right there, there it is. God, help us. Have mercy on us. Come and strengthen us. Encourage our hearts. It's a prayer that seeks for blessing of the Lord that we need to pray. We need the blessing of God upon our lives. We can't, we can't do it alone. And so I just say this. Every time we step into this building at Rock Valley Bible Church to worship the Lord, we're making a proclamation. It's not as many people think, Oh, look at how good I am. I'm coming to church. I'm a righteous, upstanding Christian. Look, at I'm coming to church. No, instead when we come, we're like this, God, we are needy. And, and we're not good on our own. And we need to come here and we, we thank you that you're the great sovereign creator, that you have redeemed us. And the very act that we are singing, the very act that we are coming, the very act that we are listening, the very act that we are praying, we are crying out, we need you, God. We need your help. We need your comfort. We need your strength. And then God gives that. And that's the whole idea about blessing His people. And He helps us and He strengthens us. And we ought, to, we ought to seek that. We ought to seek not to come in religious hypocrisy like the Pharisees. But we ought, we ought to come saying, God, we need help. In fact, the very fact you don't pray says, I'm self-sufficient. But when you do pray, it says, God, I need your help. The very fact you don't read your Bible thinks that I've got everything I need. But when you read your Bible, say, God, I need to learn from you. And that's how we ought to live. Well, we see three more areas of God's blessing. First is in community. Verse 5 says this, And may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And we see here a prayer for the blessing upon Jerusalem. May Jerusalem prosper. May it go well with the city. Because when it went well with Jerusalem, it went well with the country, it went well with the people. And by way of application to us, we can bring this to the church. For the typical Jewish worshiper, Jerusalem was the place of community. It's where they gathered to worship. And Jerusalem was to the Jew what the church is to us. Our church is our community. Verse 5 is really a, a prayer for prosperity of our community. And here's the principle, okay? When it goes well at church... 
there's an overflow and blessing that goes well in your family. If it didn't go well in Jerusalem, it would be hard for the family went up to worship the Lord. They got to deal with all these battles rather than just dealing with the Lord. And when God is blessing others in our church community, it will spill over to blessings into your life as well. You'll be encouraged by the faithfulness of God as you witness it in others. You'll be helped by the service of others. You'll be directed to love the Lord your God as others do. You'll be reminded of the core truths of the faith as others speak to you about it. And and when the, the church is blessed of God, the people of God are blessed through that community. But when things are bad at church... Things are often bad in the homes. I, I, I've heard this testimony many times. When you, you come to church, and there's some big battle going on at church. What happens? You're coming to church not to worship the Lord. You're just dealing with these battles of people. and It's no fun. That's why people leave churches, and rightly so, because they're not, not helping. It's hurting because the community is not going well. But when you have a well community, it is a good blessing thing to come into that community. And so I just say this. May you see the prosperity of Rock Valley Bible Church all the days of your life. That we might prosper. And I'm not not talking health, wealth, prosperity. I'm just talking about well-being among us. Talking about healthy relationships. Talking about God prospering our work. God prospering our marriage. That that might extend and filter down to other people. It's a blessing of those who fear the Lord, who seek His blessing. Well, not only in community, but also in grandchildren. Verse 6, indeed, may you see your children's children. Here's the prayer, right? May you see the, the wellness of your community. May you see your grandchildren. The Bible says grandchildren are the crown of old men. You think about that. What, what, what would make grandchildren to be this crown of old men? Well, just think about everything that needs to be true for a man to see and enjoy his grandchildren. What's got to be true? All right, just think about this. This isn't very hard. In order for a man to see his grandchildren, what's got to be true? Rocket science. Got to have children, right? All right, there's one. Next, what do you got to have? Okay, he's got to be old enough. Okay, but that kind of comes number three. You got to have children, and then what happens after that? Your children need to have children, and thirdly, you need to be alive, right? So you need to have a long life. And. Your children need to grow and have children. There's just a lot of a blessing there surrounded. It's no wonder that it says it's the, the crown of old men. It's like the culmination of blessing to see grandchildren. Psalm 103 says it this way, As for man, his days are like grass, a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind is passed over, it is no more, and its place acknowledge it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who... Help me. Those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. You you fear the Lord and the loving kindness comes upon you and your righteousness, God's righteousness, then to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precept to do him, to do them. There's a blessing of the Lord intergenerational that comes to those who fear him, just one to another. It's the culmination of blessing. There's a blessing that all fathers long to see. I love the story in Genesis 48 when Jacob is brought into Egypt. And, um, you know, think about Jacob. He lost his son, Joseph. You know, he thought that he was killed by these pack of wolves. Instead, he's the second in command in uh, 
Egypt. There's a long, drawn-out story. And eventually, he finds out he's still alive. He thought he was dead long ago. Finds out he's alive, goes to Egypt, encounters Joseph and says this, Genesis 48, verse 8, When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? And Joseph said to his father, These are my sons whom God has given me here in Egypt. And so he said, Please bring them to me that I may bless them. And now the eyes of Israel, Jacob, were so dim from age that he could not see. And Joseph brought them close to him and he kissed them and embraced them. And listen to what he said. He said, Jacob said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God has let me see your children as well. And Joseph took them from his knees and bowed with his face to the ground. And then there's a story about Jacob blessing his grandchildren. But you, you see, like, I, I didn't even know I get to see my son again. And now I've seen my grandchildren. And it's just, it's just an expression of joy. It was the crown of, of Jacob's head. Psalm 128. Blessed fathers are the ones who are blessed to see their grandchildren. And doubly blessed, perhaps, to see great-grandchildren. Well, we see the blessing of God. The one who seeks blessing, the Lord bless you from Zion. Seeking blessing in the community, seeking blessing in grandchildren. And, and finally, I think just seeking peace and well-being in Israel. So it just finishes, peace be upon Israel. That's how Psalm 125 ended last time. Peace be upon Israel. It's what Psalm 122 speaks about. Verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. May peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brothers and my friends, I will not say, may peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. There's just a, a general sense of I'm going up to worship. May peace be in that place. Tie it back a little bit here to community. It means the same thing. May peace be among us. And may we seek that blessing of peace among us. So you want to be blessed, fathers? Well, fear the Lord and seek His blessing. And know the blessing of work, of a wife, of children. And seek the blessing of a, a blessed community and grandchildren and peace among all. I just pray the Lord will help us to know and experience these things. Let's pray. God, I pray. Psalm 128 says and speaks about, God, may the fathers among us here this morning be blessed fathers. May you bless them, O oh Lord. I know I stand this morning as feeling as being a blessed father. You've blessed me with a wife, wonderful children. You've blessed me with the work I love. You've blessed your church that loves and serves. Even last week, God, there was a, a visiting family and, and one said, the number of people that came up to them, they said, we can tell that true community is here. And Father, I do thank you for that. May, may peace reign in this place. God, may you show your favor upon us. And God, bless us. Bless the dads this day. I pray that they would think and reflect upon God, their roles and their families. And this day may be a help to see them fear you in greater ways. And to see you then pour out your blessing in greater ways. Oh Lord, we need you. We love you. We thank you for the redemption you've worked in our lives, the fear you've placed in our hearts to place you to top priority in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.